Welcome to a message of hope and good news for you. This is Nick and Len with Give Me the Bible. The subject today is called What of Life? Hello my radio friends. I can tell you it is wonderful to be back to share more good news from God's Word, the Bible. I especially want to thank both Steve and Joseph for standing in for me while I was away. I also want to thank all those many people who prayed for me, sent emails letters of encouragement and get well cards and came to see me when I was in hospital. I couldn't get over how many people were concerned about me. Thank you, dear people. If you recently joined the program, you will probably have no idea of what I'm talking about. What happened is that I was riding my motorcycle on Sunday, March 22 and got too wide on a corner and couldn't control the bike when it was in the gravel, of course, and I ended up crashing into a small tree. All this resulted in a smashed femur and hip joint and ankle bone. So now I'm learning to walk again with a titanium hip joint and a significant limp. In all this, I'm very grateful that my life was spared and I thank God sincerely for protecting me from more serious harm. But today I want to share with you something I regard as very serious and it is my hope that you will think about it and do something about it. In the book of Luke, that's one of the four Gospels, in chapter 12 and from verses 16 to 20 is a short parable which Jesus told to illustrate a point. It says, The ground of a rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I shall do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have laid up for yourself? No doubt the rich man was a hard worker and was probably a shrewd farmer and he had done very well for himself, to the extent that he had excess grain and needed to do something about having too much of a good thing. So he decided to enlarge his storage capacity. But that night, after figuring out what to do, he died. When we read the parable, it becomes very clear 
that this farmer considered himself a self-made man. There was no room in his life for God. He attributed his success to his own efforts. And I would like to suggest that most Westerners alive today have a similar attitude as the rich farmer. They generally have enough money, enough food, enough possessions, and life is fairly good. But one vital thing is missing. God, the life giver, is left out of the picture. I've mentioned this on an earlier program, but I want to reiterate it today. We are able to enjoy the good things of life while we have life. If, we, if God withdraws our life, there is nothing we can do about it. In my opinion, we should remember that the getting of good things is not the ultimate quest we should be on. Our ultimate quest should be to honour God, He who gives life. Now the main point of all this is that no one can be sure that they'll be alive tomorrow. I can't, and you can't. What you can be sure of, as they say, is death and taxes. Because we cannot be sure we will be alive tomorrow is a very sobering thought. Should I not be here tomorrow, what then? Has my life been wasted on pleasures? Will I leave a lasting legacy that others will remember me? And most of all, will I be given eternal life? I have a friend who is currently very ill, and it seems that he has been very close to dying several times. He doesn't want to die, but at the same time doesn't seem to want to live forever, because, probably, he doesn't really take the word of God seriously. The New Testament contains many statements about how to live forever. All we humans have to do is to believe that God exists and to believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth to take the punishment for our sins and to open the way for us to be saved. It all seems a bit too easy but it is the only way. It concerns me that my friend just cannot or will not come to the point where he is prepared to hand over the controls to Jesus. I personally find his attitude difficult to understand. To illustrate, let me tell you a modern day parable, and I've made this up. Some people are out in the desert country of Australia when their four-wheel drive vehicle breaks down. They stay with the vehicle, which is the sensible thing to do in such circumstances. After a few days when their water supply has dwindled and there is no food left, all are desperate for relief. The strongest member of the party decides to walk to the top of the next sand dune to see if there is any help available. He does this and then returns to the stranded vehicle and to the rest of the party. 
He says to them, Just on the far side of the crest of the dune, I saw a sign bolted to a post. The sign read, Fuel and supplies, one kilometre. Now, if you were in that situation, what would you do? You could stay where you were and look forward to a slow and painful death, or you could rouse yourself, follow the sign, and be saved. It seems stupid to want to pass up the opportunity of being saved and of being given eternal life, yet many people refuse to believe that such is possible, such as is the case with my friend. And you know, even if eternal life and the possibility of having it were not true, would you be the worse off for believing it? My dear listeners, what about you? Are you prepared to risk eternal salvation for a few more days here on planet Earth? Are you prepared to take the chance that you will be alive tomorrow? Are you prepared to pass up the word of God and what it has to say about life and death? Are you like the rich farmer in the parable in Luke? In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, and from verses 24 to 27, is a story of two people, one described as wise and the other foolish. The story has been put to music and is it's quite a lovely little song, teaching moral duty and about making good choices. Here's what it says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had, it had its foundation on the rock. But... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now anyone who knows anything about building a structure such as a house realises the importance of having a solid foundation. The foundation is the very most important thing, because if it is unstable, the whole building will be unstable, and it's best of all if the foundation itself is upon solid rock. By the way, the Bible refers to Christ, or God, as the rock. Just think about the old hymn, rock of ages, which is about God. Yet, although many people are aware of the need for having a solid foundation for their house, they seem to overlook the need for having a solid foundation for their beliefs and personal philosophy. In this day and age, there seems to be a striving for things this is called materialism. The mass media tells us that to own this or that car, this kind of lounge suite, 
a particular type of bed, a certain brand of vitamin supplements will bring us a happier life and the admiration of our friends and neighbours. Of course, it's nice to enjoy good things, but the striving to get stuff is considered unwise according to what Jesus said. When one is in a crisis, what comfort does stuff bring? When you are facing a life-threatening disease, what comfort do you get from your accumulation of stuff? And then, when you are facing death, what can all that stuff do for you? You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. We are going to take a short break and we are going to play a song from uh, Heritage Country, This Old House. Just listen to this. This old house once knew my children, this old house once knew my wife. This old house was a home and comfort as we fought the storms of life. This old house once rang with laughter, this old house heard many shouts. Now she trembles in the darkness when the lightning walks about. Ain't gonna need this house no longer, ain't gonna need this house no more. Ain't got time to fix the shingles, ain't got time to fix the floor. Ain't got time to go just roaring in the window pane. Ain't gonna need this house no longer, I'm getting ready to make the same. This old house is getting shaky, this old house is getting old This old house lets in the rain and this old house lets in the cold On my knees I'm getting feeble, but I feel no fear of pain Cause I see an angel peeking through a broken window pane Ain't gonna need this house no longer, ain't gonna need this house no more Ain't got time to fix the shingles, ain't got time to fix the floor Ain't got time to Hound dog lies asleep and he don't know I'm gonna leave Else he'd wake up by the fireplace and he'd sit there and howl grief But my hunting days are over, I ain't gonna hunt the coon no more Gabriel dumped right in the chariot when the wind blew down the door Ain't gonna need this house no longer, ain't gonna need this house no more Ain't got time to fix the shingles, ain't got time to fix the floor Ain't got time for the hinges, all in the window panes Ain't gonna need this house no longer Just before the break, I mentioned this. When a person is facing death, 
what can all that stuff do for you? My wife and I are related to some people in Canada. They have a beautiful house overlooking a beautiful mountain-rimmed lake. They have picturesque gardens on several acres of land surrounding the house. There are two Mercedes cars in the garage and they have plenty of money. Recently, the husband died after an illness. None of his possessions could help him. He died and that was it. Nothing to look forward to except perhaps to be free of pain. What a pity. He had built his house, that is his life, around temporary things, which I've been calling stuff. If you're building your life around your family, your job, your education, or sport, or pleasures, according to the parable, you're building on sand. At the end, there will be nothing there, no hope and no help. But on the other hand, if you take Jesus into your life, although there may be some difficulties, in the end, there is hope. There is a future because it is guaranteed by the holy word of God. I'd like to share the story of William Borden with you. William Borden was born in 1904 to a wealthy American family and he was the heir to the Borden Dairy Estate. By the time he finished high school he was already a millionaire. As a gift for graduating his parents gave him a trip around the world. It was while he was travelling through Asia, the Middle East and Europe that young William was impressed with the poverty and hurt that he observed with many people groups. Writing home, he said, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. Instead of looking forward to a future of wealth, pleasure, and all the so-called good things, Borden decided to live a life of service to others. Obviously, he was a religious young man, and when he made that big decision, he wrote in the, his Bible these two words, No Reserves. Well, after this world trip, he attended Yale University, which is one of the most prestigious universities in the United States. And after graduating, of course, many offers of high-paying positions were made to William, this bright, wealthy young man. But he turned all those offers down and instead wrote two more words in his Bible, no retreats. After more studies at Princeton Seminary, Borden sailed for China where he intended to work with Chinese Muslims and bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this group of oppressed people. On the way to China, William stopped over for a while in Egypt, where he contacted cerebral meningitis, and in less than a month he died. In his Bible, he had written two more words, no regrets. So the words that he wrote first 
no reserves, and then he wrote, no retreats, and then no regrets. Some might say, what a waste. No, William had dedicated his life to Jesus and was prepared to forego all the good things of life to help the less fortunate. He had been building his house on the rock. And when Jesus comes again to call those who have accepted his offer of grace, do you think William Borden will be resurrected to inherit eternal life? I emphatically think so. There are a couple of verses from the book of 1 Thessalonians I'd like to share with you. First chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. It says this, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. These verses are talking about what happens when Jesus returns to this earth and calls those who have made serving God their priority in life. Some will be awake, that means they'll still be alive, and some will be asleep, they will be those who have died. And then we have in chapter 4 from verses 16 to 18 these words, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So we have the contrasts, wise contrasted with foolish, building one's life on a solid foundation, contrasted with building one's life on an insecure foundation. We have the contrast between honouring God and serving oneself. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes is this admonition. Here is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So then, God allows us to choose the path of life we will follow, but he also provides instruction as to which path is best to follow. The majority of people, it seems, take the path of least resistance, the path of satisfying self, but God calls everyone to honour and serve him. And if they do, there is the promise of eternal life and eternal happiness. I don't know what decisions you have made, but I have made my decision to serve God. I sincerely hope you will make the decision to honour God too and have him in your life. Dear listeners, thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will join me again next week when we will look at an experiment to find happiness. So until then, this is Len signing off and wishing you God's richest blessings.
We are going to leave you with uh, another song, Heritage Country, and this is Search Me Lord. Until next time, may God bless you all. Well, search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. Turn the lights from heaven on my soul. Well, if you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me. I want to be right. I want to be safe. I want to be whole. You know when I'm right. I know you know when I'm wrong. You know where I go, Lord, you know where I belong You know what I do, you know my secrets too Lord, search me, touch me, cleanse me through and through You know my every day You know where I go, Lord You know just what I need If there's something there That I'm not aware Well, take it, move it Keep me in your Take it out and strengthen